Hey, I'm Jen. In life, I've learned that adversity is a stranger to no one. The way we cope is a huge indicator of our character. We want to make choices from confidence, empowerment, and trust instead of letting our circumstances control us. Let's talk about how. This is episode M, My Adversity Baby. Hey guys, thanks for joining me. I'm on a bit of a marathon here trying to record as many episodes as I can in advance before having a baby in a couple weeks. So, in lieu of a Name the Emotion segment, I am just going to talk about emotions in general for a brief second. I looked up the six basic emotions, and they include sadness, happiness, fear, anger, surprise, and disgust. Sound familiar? These are the inside-out characters. Hmm, makes sense. <laughs> I also looked up what the most common emotions are that people experience, and all I could find was that <laughs> some researchers report that happiness and relaxation are the most frequent human emotions, whereas others find that anxiety and excitement dominate our emotional life. So, couldn't really find a clear answer on that, but probably just those six basic emotions are what we feel most commonly. Okay, my list for you this week. My list this week is common grammar mistakes that annoy me or that I notice. (laughs) And the first one is the difference between less and fewer. I learned this in college, so I'm a late bloomer too, but fewer you can count on your fingers, less is not really quantifiable. So less water in the lake equals fewer fish. So there you go. The next one is all those words lumped together that sound the same, but mean different things. Your and your, there and there, two and two, it's and it's. Know the difference. The next one is the difference between me and I. Again, if you're not sure which one to put in a sentence, break them up. So the dog chased my sister and I. Could you say the dog chased I? That wouldn't sound right. So in that case, it needs to be me. The dog chased my sister and me. Further and farther. Further is not related to distance where farther is. So how much farther do we need to drive? And should we discuss this matter further? Next is the Oxford comma. (laughs) My favorite example is always, for breakfast, I ate bacon, eggs, toast, and orange juice. If you don't have a comma after toast, then it sounds like you're eating orange juice on your toast. So yes, the Oxford comma is important. (sighs) The next one is something that happens a lot in church. When people are bearing their testimonies, which is just a declaration of things that you believe in, A lot of times people will close in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ. Amen. My husband and I always look at each other because you don't close your testimony in the name of thy son. Otherwise, you're referring to their son. (laughs) It is perfectly acceptable. And where it comes from is closing your prayer in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ, because you're praying to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ is his son. So sorry if you're going to notice that all the time now. Next is who versus whom and whose versus whose. Knock, knock. Who's there? To. To who? No, to whom. (laughs) And the last one is ending sentences with a preposition. There's a funny phrase that 
my husband always says, and it's ending sentences with a preposition is something up with which I will not put. (laughs) So don't end your sentences with a preposition. And that's my nerdy list. In this episode, I'm going to go through my pregnancy history timeline. And I realize that this may be more cathartic for me than helpful for you. So if you don't want to listen, that's okay. It's just me getting it out there. And if you do want to listen, cool. I was also telling my mom about this episode and she was happy because she still feels very rightful in her worry for me. So you can decide whose side you're on. Okay, so my husband and I married in 2015, and as much as we wanted a baby, we wanted time to ourselves first. I'm sure a lot of people can relate, and I know some people do have honeymoon babies or they get pregnant by accident, even though they weren't intending to. I guess that's what an accident means, but we really wanted that time for ourselves. So we, I was on birth control, the pill, and we just spent that time traveling and living it up. We wanted to wait two years before even trying, but we decided to start trying in January of 2017 just to give us time before that two-year mark. So I went off my birth control pills and we realized that it would take some time to regulate my system, but still it took between eight and nine months to conceive. At this time, I truly felt like I was going through infertility. I had to go off social media because I couldn't bear to see other happy families having children and my lack of children at that time. Fortunately, I had a good friend who would talk to me throughout this time and understood and was going through similar things. And so that was really helpful. There's a quote that says, there will always be someone who has an objectively harder life. There will always be someone suffering in ways you never have to think about. This doesn't mean you aren't allowed to grieve your circumstances. No one says you don't deserve to feel joy or gratitude because there are people who have it better than you. Similarly, it doesn't make sense to discount your struggles just because things could be worse off. And that's by Danielle Kopka. And I realized that couples go through years and years of infertility or even their whole lives But again, like this quote says, that doesn't make my suffering any less meaningful. It doesn't discount my suffering. And I have so much more compassion for those that go through infertility because of my small drop in the bucket taste of it. So in the fall of 2017, I became pregnant with Rowan and my due date was May 25th, 2018. At our gender ultrasound, I was so shocked to learn that we were having a boy. In my mind, I just always thought it was a girl. I felt it was a girl. I had plans for a girl. I had a girl's name all picked out. I just didn't even consider that it could be a boy. So that took some getting used to. And again, it sounds ingrateful because a baby's a baby and I was overjoyed to be pregnant. But anyway, that's how I felt. My husband named Rowan, he came up with the name. We had it pretty early on and it never changed. While I was pregnant with Rowan, I found out that I have a negative blood type and this is less common apparently. And so it's almost a guarantee that my children will have my husband's blood type, which is B positive. And so I have to have a shot each pregnancy so that my body doesn't kill the baby because it's a foreign object, (laughs) 
one of those miracles of modern medicine that we've learned through science. I can't imagine being a pioneer and losing my baby and not knowing why. So on my due date, May 25th, my water broke that morning at 4 a.m. and we went to the hospital. It was very nice to have a clear reason to go there and not have to hum-ha about contractions and how much time is in between them. We just knew we needed to go to the hospital. We regret not touring the hospital beforehand because we didn't even know where to go. We went like three different places before we ended up in the right place. I still had water all over me and they took one look at me and said, oh, yep, you're in labor. (laughs) Little did I know how long labor would actually take. I was not dilating very fast, so they put me on Pitocin and even that was taking forever, but I was making just enough progress for them to not have me go right to a C-section. So uh, I received my epidural and (laughs) that was a night and day difference. Loved it. And... After 36 hours of labor, including three and a half hours of pushing, two times using the vacuum, the on-call doctor, because it was the weekend, decided that my pelvis was too small. So, Rowan was actually born on May 27th, even though my water broke on May 25th. So, quite the journey there, not sure when his birthday was going to be. Because the C-section came so much later, my epidural had worn off and they gave me some medicine, but I could still feel the pain. And so they ended up having to put me under. There's some funny quotes I said there, apparently. I turned to Jared and I told him, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. I'm passed out. I'm passed out. So yeah, I didn't get to be awake for that C-section. And when I awoke... I frantically turned to Jared and said, do you have a dollar in your pocket? And he said, yeah, are you hungry? Can I get you anything? And I said, no, I just wanted to know if you had a dollar in your pocket. So again, silver lining there, I guess. (laughs) After my C-section, I promptly Googled how many C-sections can a person have? And it said that some women can have six, no problem. Others can only have two. So I knew that Going forward, I would have C-sections and I would just listen to my body and see where things went. Okay, so fast forward to the summer of 2019. So just the very next year, we decided to start trying for a second baby. I went off Nexplanon, which is a little rod they insert in your arm. That's your birth control. And I had my period and we resumed trying. A few weeks later, we were on a trip in Washington, D.C. without Rowan. It was just an anniversary trip, and I had my period on that trip. I was very shocked because I thought I'd already had my period, but it turned out that was just withdrawal bleeding from the birth control being taken out. So, yeah, that was a very embarrassing time because it's hot and humid in D.C., and I didn't even notice that I was bleeding until it was all over my pants, and we were downtown DC. We didn't want to go all the way back to our Airbnb. We had lots of plans for the evening. So we just spent time where Jared would stand behind me on the subway or I would just kind of try and hide it as best as I could. I didn't have a jacket or anything. So that was very awkward. Just throwing that in there. (laughs) With our second baby, it still took between eight and nine months to conceive. One of my friends says that she's not convinced that sex leads to having a baby (laughs) just because of how long it takes and how unpredictable it is. 
I ended up becoming pregnant in the spring of 2020, which if you'll remember, how could you forget? That's when the pandemic began. So here I was a teacher suddenly out of school, no real workload, no stress besides, you know, everyday stress and, you know, the fact that there was a pandemic, but I digress. That's when I became pregnant because I was not teaching. And so boom, December baby. Did not want, never expected a December baby, a Christmas baby. But again, life never goes as planned. So plan accordingly. Brant was due December 27th, but they can take you as early as a week, unless you're having other problems before a C-section. And so my scheduled delivery date was December 21st, a Monday. And I was supposed to go into the hospital at 7 a.m. that morning, but I started having contractions at 1 a.m. They got so bad that I ended up waking Jared and we went to the hospital and they said, yep, you're dilated to a four. But again, it was already a planned C-section. And so my doctor got up earlier than she'd planned and I had an otherwise smooth C-section. They were actually happy because they said it was a busy day and so it was good to get an early start. (laughs) After Brant, I chose not to go on birth control just because it had taken so long to conceive our first two children. And so we just used condoms and, and we decided to start trying again in August of 2021 for our third child. Surprise, we became pregnant the first try. (laughs) So our second and third babies were going to be 18 months apart. Well, they're going to take me at 36 weeks, so they'll end up being closer to 17 months apart. And that's what I will explain now. When I had the anatomy scan ultrasound for this child, I was told that I have placenta previa. This means that my placenta is over my cervix, and so I have to have a C-section. Well, good news for me, I was already planning to have a C-section, so no change there. Unfortunately, this placenta previa had turned into placenta accreta. Placenta accreta is where the placenta burrows into organs or previous C-section scars to try and find a blood supply. Makes placenta sound like a monster, but... Uh, I've had to have more ultrasounds than normal, and they've just been monitoring me more closely. And ultimately, they decided to refer me to the University of Utah Hospital because there is a team of placenta accreta specialists. Right when I found out that I had this, I was also told that there's a high chance I'll have to have a hysterectomy at birth. It just depends how it goes. It's not black and white, but because the placenta does burrow into all these places, they're worried about blood loss, hemorrhaging, all those types of things. One doctor said, yeah, there are some placentas that I just don't want to touch, so they just take everything out. Even if it doesn't end in hysterectomy, they probably will encourage me to get my tubes tied or just really not have any more children. This is because the risk increases with each child and my body is kind of saying it's done. So we are looking already to adopt a girl So keep us in mind if by chance you have any sort of connection. To add more things to the pile, this spot of placenta accreta that they're really worried about is right next to my bladder. So there's a high chance that they'll puncture that at delivery. And that's a two-week recovery with a catheter. But worse things could happen. So again, going back to life never goes as planned. 
Gretchen Rubin said, I think adversity magnifies behavior. Tend to be a control freak, you'll become more controlling. Eat for comfort, you'll eat more. And on the positive, if you tend to focus on solutions and celebrate small successes, that's what you'll do in adversity. And that's kind of the approach that I'm taking. I try to focus on solutions and moving past things and celebrating those small victories, the hidden blessings, the tender mercies. And so that's how I continue to be. My mom is a worrier, but I love the quote that's by Ogmandino. And he said, he who worries about calamities suffers them twice over. I don't know exactly what the outcome's going to be. They say that placenta accreta is not black and white. They really won't know until the time of delivery. Jared and I have talked about possible scenarios and decisions that we'll have to make, but we'll just wait and see what happens. Thank you for listening to me drone on. My father-in-law would roll his eyes because he was a teacher and anytime he went into the faculty lounge, someone was telling a birth story. So he just thinks that that's all women talk about. And we do. It's a big thing for us and everyone's is different. And like I said before, it's cathartic to talk about. So thank you for listening if you are still listening and I will talk to you again next week. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. You can find me on Instagram at is4adversity or email me at genbank16 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you.